listening to The Rubber with your host, Logan Mathias. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you, everybody, and welcome to the premiere episode of The Rubber. Thank you so much for joining. I'm excited to bring you this podcast. Um, So kind of a quick little background on me. I wasn't always this big of an MLB fan or baseball fan. I always liked it. But my big fan or my big fandom was in NFL. Well, I can tell you right now, not to get into too much background about me, uh, about a year and a half ago, I sustained a head injury and almost didn't come back from that one. But uh, so with that being said, I just didn't feel right cheering on for something that pretty much promoted people getting the crap knocked out of them and and pretty much sustaining brain injuries as it is and you know gosh that poor kid this year with uh having a heart attack on the field i mean i kind of makes my point all the same so anyway yeah so i'm kind of back into this i'm getting into the swing of things learning just like you guys are um sabermetrics stuff like that yeah <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go over stuff like that from time to time, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm a sabermetrics guru because I am not. I'm just an average fan just like you guys. I am a disabled veteran of these fine U.S. forces. Uh, I was in the Navy and I was in the Army. I was in the Navy as an ordinance man and then I joined the Army as a medic. That's about as far on that as I'm willing to go. Lots of stuff happened. A lot of points in between the road on that journey and it's just so that you know it. And I probably won't get too much into that one. So enough about me. Hey everybody, did you know it is February 1st of 2023? That's right. That means this month we start Pitchers and Catchers. And at the end of the month we start our first, oh, I'd love to see it, our first spring training games. And I am super excited. We are no longer in any month that we'll see no MLB traffic. And we will be able to see our players, well, not all, but most, participate in some kind of organized agenda. And I am absolutely jazzed. Rule changes. That's right, everybody. We've had some rule changes. Uh, We've had three that are of note. Uh, So the first one's going to be the pitch timer. So... These were all implemented, by the way, by the in by the minor leagues. So it's not it's not brand new to the sport, but it's definitely brand new to the major leagues. So we're gonna break it down kind of one by one, uh, give you kind of my thoughts on it, and go from there. So we're gonna start with the pitch timer. So the pitch timer: 15 seconds with no one on base and 20 seconds with runners on base. Now I'm gonna see that's that's kind of interesting because you look at people like Nasty Nestor who has to do that crazy windup, which is cool. Being a, a pinstripe fan, I'd, I'd love to see it, but it, I'm interested to see how it's going to impact delivery and what the strike zone is going to be. And I mean, are some of these pitchers going to have to kind of redefine how they how they do what they do? Uh, that may be. But here's the flip side. With as many games as these young men play, this is going to speed up the game a bit. Now, it's not by a ton. I'm going to give you that. What they did implement in the minor leagues, it did shave a roughly about 25 minutes off of the game. That is a that is not an insignificant amount when you think about it in the long run. Now, I'm going to quote Anthony, Anthony Castrovince. I'm quoting from the MLB, and I certainly hope I got that right. Um, basically, he says, and quote, consider that the first 12 seasons 
of Mike Trout's great career, the average time of an MLB game has been three hours and five minutes. Let's say that again. Three hours and five minutes, folks. That is a whole lot of time, right? So he goes on to say Trout could be expected to spend 92 and a half minutes on his feet in center field. So 92 and a half minutes. That is also not an insignificant amount of time. So if you think about Mike Trout and his career and, and the punishment he's had to endure on his body, you know, if you give him back some time, you know, maybe we have them longer in the sport. I don't know. Anyway, let's kind of go through what this covers. So it's a little bit of a long list, but we're going to go through it. Um, so starting the pitcher must begin his motion to deliver the pitch before the expiration of the pitch timer. So Nasty Nestor, I guess, can do his cool little wind up. Moving on. Pitchers who violate the timer are charged with an automatic ball. Whoopsie. Batters who violate the timer on the flip side will be charged with an automatic strike. Also, big whoopsie. Batters must be in the box and alert to the pitcher by the eight-second mark or else be charged with an automatic strike. Well, I tell you, you better be in the game because that could creep up on you here pretty quick. Uh, with runners on base, the timer resets if the pitcher attempts to pick off or steps off the rubber. Pun. So, basically, you want to do a check. Yeah, you got to take your uh, foot off the mound and restart. Okay, I follow. Pitchers are limited to two disengagements slash pickoff attempts or step-offs per plate appearance. However, this limit is reset if a runner runs if a runner or runners advance during the plate appearance. So if they if they steal from you, hey, I guess you're okay to reward you for being stolen on. If a third pickoff attempt is made and the runner automatically advances one base if the pickoff attempted is not successful. That's that's kind of weird. Anyway, bound visits. We all love mound visits. Mound visits, injury timeouts, and offensive team timeouts do not count as a disengagement. If a team has used up all five of its allotted mound visits prior to the ninth inning, that team will receive an additional mound visit in the ninth inning. This effectively serves as an additional additional disengagement. Wow, what a mouthful. Umpires may provide extra time if warranted by circumstances. So in an example, a catcher were to be thrown out and the bases to extend the previous half inning and needed additional time to put his catching gear on, the umpire could allow that. So sounds to me like there's a little bit of wiggle room in there, but not a whole lot. This whole thing is designed to speed the game up. Uh, you know, the game of baseball is taking a big hit because it takes three, four, who knows how many hours to complete a game. Hey, I love it. You know that Seattle-Houston game that lasted a bazillion innings in the playoffs? Man, that had me absolutely floored. But that's not for everybody, and the game needs to grow. I understand that. A lot of your sports outlets, a lot of your... Uh, a lot of your announcers are calling this robo-umpiring. I mean, yeah, okay, I get it. I get the sentiment, but, I mean, come on. What are we, what are we doing here? It's got to take that long. I mean, good night. Can you imagine if you took that long to throw a football? I mean, you get creamed. I mean, well, some do. <laughs> so, moving on. So, the shift. The shift is banned. Well, it didn't last long, but, um, yeah. 
So the, the shift technically has been around for a very long time. Um, in fact, I think it's been reported to have existed throughout most of the baseball history. But the way it was done, at least in the last few years, I mean, you're talking about shifting your entire infield to one side, your outfield to one side, almost to the point where, you know, there could be the left side of the field that is completely clean. Now, there's sabermetrics that exist that say that a, a hitter can hit an X area, whether that be right or left or middle, uh, 60% of the time, right? And then maybe 30% of the time he hits it to the right. Well, that initial 10%, wherever that is, you're not putting players there. So basically, sabermetrics said it happens so infrequently that it's worth the risk. Okay, so you shift all your people to one side. Well... I mean, while that is that that is a really good advantage for the for the fielding, I guess that adds to a bit of a disadvantage to the batter. I mean, it's already hard to hit a round ball with a round bat at the speed that that these pitchers throw it at. I mean, I get it. You want to be able to to show your athleticism, but at some point it has to be a little bit has to be a little bit uh, better suited for people to be able to play and give a fair advantage. So, and here is the actual rundown. So, the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders playing completely on either side of the base. Okay. These restrictions are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play to allow infielders to better showcase their athleticism and to restore more traditional outcomes on batted balls. All right. So he, he goes on to say, as of this writing, the league-wide batting average on balls in play of 0.291 in 2022 is six points lower than that in 2012 and 10 points lower than that in 2006. So yeah, it took a pretty big hit. So here's the rundown. The four infielders must be within outer boundary of the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. That means they need to actually be in the infield, right? Infielders may not switch sides. In other words, a team cannot position its best defender on the side of the infield the batter is most likely to hit the ball. Okay. If the infielders are not aligned properly at the time of the pitch, the offense can choose an automatic ball or result of the play. Interesting. This rule does not preclude a team from positioning an outfielder in the infield or shallow outfield grass in certain situations, but it does prohibit four outfielder alignments. Okay, well, I think what that is, honestly, I think that's a great thing for the game. Um, I think that it needs to be a little bit more competitive. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see some of this infielder. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. Most of your infielders have all this athleticism, and I want to see it. I mean, I look at people like Wander Franco. I look at people like um, Tatis if he if he's playing on the infield. I mean, you're looking at some outstanding talent. I want to see that talent at its maximum, and I think that does good for for baseball in general. Um, and I do think that helps move the game along. I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see hits, you're going to see uh, bases running. I mean, this is a great thing for offense of baseball, not necessarily for defense, but certainly for the offense. 
And the last one to note is bigger bases. The bases will move from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. Home plate will stay the same. So this was done in an effort to prevent some injury. Um, it gives people more room, although these guys are getting bigger and bigger. I don't know that making the, you could make the plate, I don't know, the size of a pizza box. I don't know that's gonna make a difference. These guys are getting huge, they're gonna collide. It's just gonna happen as part of the game. But uh, I do appreciate the fact that they're at least they're at least looking at this and seeing different ways to keep our players from getting injured. So quick rundown on some offseason moves since I uh, clearly wasn't here to talk to you guys about them. Aaron Judge, thank God we kept him. I'm a pinstripe fan. Well, one of my favorite teams anyway. So yeah, nine year contract, mega mega millions, Mr. Yankee probably and definitely the captain. Happy to see him back in pinstripes. Jacob deGrom, now this one, I gotta admit this one surprised me a little. So Jacob deGrom is now with Texas Rangers. Uh, he had a five-year contract, so good for him. Trey Turner, wow. Moving on over, getting that Philly love. Good for him. I think uh, that's a great addition. Uh, they were already they were already pretty powerful, but with Bryce having some injuries, hey, it'll be interesting to see. Carlos Correa, gosh, I don't even know where to begin with this one. Uh, left, joined the, what was it, the, the saga started with the Giants and the Mets, and now he's back with the, it, listen, <laughs> all I gotta say is, fans of the Twins, I'm terribly sorry, but good night, Irene, what the hell happened there? Sander Bogarts? My goodness, Sox, Red Sox, what were you thinking letting that one go? I mean, Wow. Well, he goes over to San Diego, and San Diego just looks like a powerhouse. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with, but, you know, you're still going to have to deal with the Dodgers, still going to have to deal with, uh, oh, got so much there. Um, you know, I don't know. Is it enough to get them over the hump? Yeah, probably, maybe. At least it makes them competitive. Dansby Swanson. He is now a Cub. I think that's going to be a good move for them. That'll be interesting. I... I'm not a huge Cub fan, but hey, I mean, it's nice to see him competitive for sure. Carlos Rondon, he is now a pinstripe. That's right, he is a Yankee. I'm happy to see it. I think that'll help us out a bit. Um, and rounding it off, we're going to go with Chris Bassett. He is now a Blue Jay. Gosh, the Blue Jays just scare the crap out of me. Plain and simple. So for the next few weeks, we're going to go over each of the uh, depth charts for each uh, division. And kind of break down what our thoughts are and kind of who's going to, who I perceive is going to break out of that particular division. So starting out, we're going to take my beloved AL East. And if you're not sure who's in that, I'm going to tell you, you got your Blue Jays, got your Orioles, you got your Rays, you got your Red Sox. And yes, you have the Bronx Bombers, the Yankees. So picking it up with the Red Sox. Yeah, we'll start with them. I'm not going to go too deep into their pitching rotation. Looks like they're going to be starting Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta, Corey Kluber, uh, and going on from there. Looks like at catcher, they're going to be starting Reese McGuire. Uh, first base, Tristan Casas. Christian Arroyo at second base. Third base, you got Rafael Devers. Shortstop, Enrique Hernandez. Left field, Mastaka Yashida. At center field, you have Adam Duvall. And at right field, Alex Verdugo. And looks like their designated hitter is Justin Turner. Look, without Xander, um, <clears throat> I don't know that you guys made a ton of great moves. Uh, 
you know, it's going to be an interesting year. I think it's another down year, to be quite honest with you guys. I, I really hope you guys do better. Um, you know, there are teams out there that that when they're doing good, I, I think baseball is exciting. The uh, Red Sox are one of them. They're, they're our rival. You know, I'd like to see Yankees-Red Sox games. But, you know, just right now, it looks like that's a tough draw. So, good luck, Red Sox fan. I think it's going to be a long year. Moving on, Tampa Bay Rays. All right, so, <clears throat> looks like you got Shane McClanahan, Tyler Glass now, Zach Eflin. Eflin, yeah, Eflin. That's going to be kind of your starting rotation. Of course, you got a bunch in the bullpen. Uh, catcher, Christian Bethcourt. And then first base, Isaac Paredes. Uh, second base, Brandon Lau. Third base, Yandy Diaz. And, of course, at shortstop, Ronda Franco. And then left field, Randy Arosarena. In center, Jose City. And right field, you got Miguel Margot. Designated hitter, designated hitter Harold Ramirez. Look, I think, uh, I think they're a talented team. <clears throat> I think that they will probably be up there in in the running for it. I think they're going to be pretty dangerous, you know. Um, they're a good team. That's all I can say. Any team that has Wander Franco in it, you just can't rule them out. Moving on to the Baltimore Orioles. So starting rotation looks like John Means, Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin. Of course, you got your bullpen catcher that I think everybody's excited to see this year, Adley Rauschman. First base, you got Mr. Ryan Mountcastle. Second base, Adam Frazier. Third base, another one everybody's excited to see, Gunnar Henderson. Shortstop, Jorge Mato. Left field, Austin Hayes. Center field, Cedric Mullen. Right field, Kyle Stowers. And your designated hitter, Anthony Sanander. Santander. Wow, that's a mouthful. Look, be honest with you, Baltimore Orioles, they're one of those teams that are a big X factor. They could come out and just absolutely fall apart, granted, but I just I just don't see that. I think they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. They're they're kind of in the same vein to me with the Rays. They're just they're just incredibly talented top to bottom. They're young. Um, I think they're gonna come out and they're gonna really surprise a lot of people. And that doesn't bode well for me, but I think that bodes well for these Oriole fans have just had a rough couple years. Um, yeah, I mean, congratulations, guys. I think you're going to be a great team. Um, you know, I, I've often said the AL East is a, a very, very tough division, and I absolutely believe that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And now the Blue Jays. This is the one that hurts me because, as you know, the Blue Jays are kind of the team that's really – neck and neck with the Yankees and I think at any given moment this team can get scorching hot and absolutely destroy in the AL West or AL East I should say and um, yeah at some point it is going to be their time and I'm really worried about it but uh, anyway we're going to go through their depth chart so starting in the rotation Alex Manoa, Kevin Gaussman Jose Barreros which let's see if he can put it back together of course got your bullpen we're going to catcher Danny Jansen First base, Mr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Man, what a what a great player that is. Second base, Santiago Espinal. And you got third base, Matt Chapman. Sorry to see you go, but hey, hopefully you do well with the uh, Blue Jays. And guys, at shortstop, you got that Bo Bichette. That guy is amazing. Okay. Left field, Dalton Varsho, your ex-Diamondback. You've got your center field, Kevin Kiermaier. 
And at right field, George Springer would designate a hitter as Brandon Belt. Now look, that outfield is something to be reckoned with. Kiermaier can cover a lot of ground. We know that. That's why he's in center. Varsho, I think he's going to have a great season. I mean, moving him from catcher to, to the field, they're going to be interesting. They're another team that I am just absolutely scared of. I think that, um, you know, if it comes down to, you know, Judge slumping and we really can't get it going again, and you're looking at... Uh, you're looking at Gene Carlo is not doing anything. We're getting no help from from Bader. We're getting no help from well any of them really. Uh, I think we're going to get absolutely hosed by this team. Um, you know, you look at it as a as a two horse race in that division, but I don't I don't see that. I see that as a much more competitive division. I'm probably one of the better ones in the MLB. And you're looking at if I had to put a, a gun in my head. It's going to start off with the Yankees at first, probably going to be the Blue Jays at second. And honestly, that third is a toss-up between the Orioles and the Rays with the Red Sox at the bottom. That is on a very hopeful, very hopeful thought as a Yankee fan. But honestly, you don't have a lot of wiggle room there. Because I do see if the Yankees, like I said, start slumping and they can't get their bats hot. And it's left all up to judge. We saw how that went. Didn't go well. Flat fell flat on our faces. I mean, the Blue Jays will take it, absolutely. And if we slump that bad against these hot up and coming teams like the Orioles and the Rays, well, we'll be uh, we'll be on the outside looking in. So that's kind of my take on the AL East. Um, I think everybody stays healthy, things go well. Yankees, Blue Jays, with Orioles and Rays intermixed there. I'm going to take Orioles, Rays, and then the Red Sox. Um, you know, that's just kind of my take on it. Uh, so moving on. All right, so not going into too much in the weeds, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the dates for the uh, pitchers and catchers to report. And gosh, so nice to see us on that same wavelength that says February. So just on a quick rundown, looks like Atlanta Braves, February 16th. Baltimore Orioles, February 16th. Boston Red Sox, February 15th. Detroit Tigers, February 15th. Houston Astros, February 16th. Marlins, the 16th. Twins, the 16th. New York Mets, the 15th. Yankees, the 16th. February 16th for your Phillies. Pittsburgh Pirates, the 15th. St. Louis Cardinals, the 15th. Tampa Bay Rays, the 15th. Toronto Blue Jays, February 16th. And rounding it out, Nationals on the 15th as well. Moving on to the Cactus League, Diamondbacks 15th, Cubs 15th, White Sox 15th, Reds 15th, Guardians 5th, nope, excuse me, Guardians 17th, Colorado Rockies 15th, Royals 15th, Dodgers 16th, Angels 15th, Brewers 16th, and let's see, uh, yep, Oakland 15th, Padres 16th, Giants 16th, Mariners 16th, and rounding it off, your Texas Rangers on February the 15th. So with pitchers and catchers reporting, that means that the first scheduled, oh gosh, can't wait. The first scheduled games, that's right. Spring training games start March 30th, Thursday, March 30th. And I think pretty much everybody's playing um, as far as team wise. Don't know for sure what uh, what teams are, or who's going to be fielded in those particular teams. But we for sure have baseball right around the corner. So that being said, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. 
show us any support you can. We do have a website. We also have uh, Facebook, the whole nine. So if you found us here, please find us there. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Next time, we're going to go over some different stats, go over where we think some of these players that are prospects are going to kind of land and how their year is going to shape up. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk about other divisions and their depth charts. This week, it was the ALEs. Next week will be AL Central. Thank you so much and hope you tune in then.